they existed but i figured hey with blue jays season just starting and raptors playoffs approaching i'm sure a lot of people have a lot going on in their minds that they want to sort of sort it out so that's what i'm here for so i I decided to bring back the mailbag we'll talk about all things toronto raptors and blue jays on here as we normally do but the difference is interaction Right, you guys are now part of the show. So, look, if there's any time that you want uh, a mailbag done, just let me know, and I'll get it done for you, no problem. And if there's any time that you want a question answered regarding the Blue Jays or the Raptors that you want answered on the mailbag, shoot me a DM on Twitter or email us south of the six at gmail dot com. Um, those are the two avenues that are easiest to get in contact with us here. That's out to the six. Um, we do have an Instagram. We do have a Twitter. I mean, sorry, a Facebook. But I'm going to be honest with you. I rarely use those to interact with people. And I rarely use those avenues at all. Um, I know a lot of people love the Instagram. I Sure, it's great, I guess. But for purposes of talking sports and talking these two teams, I feel that Twitter is the best avenue to do that. So, um, again, if you ever want questions answered regarding the team and you want to hear them live on the show, Shoot us a DM on Twitter or tweet us on, on Twitter at South of the Six or simply email me, South of the Six at gmail.com. So uh, let's get right into it. There's been uh, quite a bit of response here, specifically through emails. So that's good to see um, regarding this mailbag. So let's just get into it. First, from That's a Wrap. First of all, if you guys aren't subscribed to That's a Wrap podcast, I don't know what you guys are doing, but uh, subscribe to them. All the podcatchers that you use, just subscribe to them. Seriously, their latest episode is, is mint. So subscribe to That's a Wrap podcast. We have a nice little network going on. So I appreciate the support from them and you guys should support them too they're all great people there and they work hard so here we go the question is what do you think the narrative will be when the raptors make the finals not if but when um will they play the underdog card or will they be seen as the enemy um i don't know i do think that it depends on who they play. So if they play the Golden State Warriors, I think the narrative will be favorable amongst at least the casual NBA fan to the Raptors. I know that sounds sort of counterintuitive, but hear me out. Um, people like change. People like when you know it's not so predictable. I feel like if the Golden State Warriors got in there, uh, people would just be bored with the playoffs or the finals at that point, rather, because they assume that the Warriors are just going to win again, right? And that's sort of been the narrative for the past, what has it been, the past four NBA finals. It's been Golden State, Cleveland, right? And it's always like, oh, here we go again. It's going to be the same thing all over again. Um, and I do think that people are always hungry for change. They always want to see a new champion, whether they're actively rooting for that or not. I don't know, but I do think that 
you know, deep down people like change and they like things when they aren't so predictable. So in that aspect, according to the casual fan, I do think that they're going to be behind the Raptors and they'll be seen as the lovable underdogs. However, in terms of the media, the media reception to the Raptors, I think will be as the enemy and as still these quote unquote baby dinosaurs. I don't know that it's the Raptors are going to be able to prove that they're a different story until they win the NBA championship. I think the narrative amongst the talking heads will always be that this team is the choke team. This team will fold. I know they've been getting a lot of love in the regular season. I know that, for instance, Stephen A. Smith says they're the biggest threats for the NBA title. Well, I'm willing to wait and see until they actually get there to, there to see how he actually responds with the, and for this team. Um it's going to be interesting, but I do like the confidence in sh- in asking when the Raptors make the finals and not if. I think that that's fun. Um, all right, let's let's move on to uh, to Peter K of Life in Repeat. So hold on, I, I gotta I gotta play his theme music. There we go. Um, uh, he wants to know. Let's test your allegiances, Adam. Um, if Toronto was only going to get one championship in your lifetime. Would you rather it be the World Series trophy or the Larry O'Brien trophy? Also, I'm assuming you're you know to hit my music after answering the question. Well, I, I answered I hit the music before answering the question too. Um, I told Peter I responded. This one's easy. This is a layup. I obviously would rather it be the Larry O'Brien trophy only because I've seen the Blue Jays win it twice. So I know I was a kid, and this may be like a little loophole in the question, but I've seen the Blue Jays win the World Series. Right, I was six or six and seven at the time that they won it, so I wasn't able to appreciate it as much as I would as an adult. But I think, given the fact that within their history, the Blue Jays have won the World Series twice, twice in a row before, I do think at this point the Raptors are a little bit more deserving in my fanhood as to who I would like to see win. Um, Look, I can't deny that the Blue Jays were my first love, right? And that's only because of chronology. The Blue Jays were in existence before the Raptors were um, by quite a bit. Um, So in that way, if it wasn't for the Blue Jays, I wouldn't be a Raptors fan, right? The Blue It's like loving my only child, but seeing my youngest child, you know, pretty much succeed, uh, more consistently than my oldest. So they're both my children, right? They're, they're both my, my lovely children that I love to death. But I do think there's a level of passion right now that I'm sort of tired of watching the Raptors fail. Um, I do have this assumption that the Blue Jays' time will come, and I'm willing to be patient with that. But for the Raptors, I feel like they deserve it a little bit more. So right now, if I were to choose one team today, I obviously want the Raptors. I want the, I want to see that Larry O'Brien trophy come to Toronto. And how sweet it would be, right, of the three major teams in Toronto, that being the Leafs, the Raptors, and the Blue Jays, within this new generation, the Raptors being the team to bring a championship home first. I think that's fitting. I think that is beautiful, actually. I think that that is sort of under the radar. I, I don't know enough about how people uh, perceive all three teams up in the region. Obviously, I'm not there. But if I were to make the assumption, I feel that obviously the Leafs are the mecca, right? They're the king in terms of the uh, the sports attention up in Toronto. For some reason, I feel like the Blue Jays, in terms of fanhood, they have a little bit more solid and maybe widespread 
uh, fan fans throughout Canada compared to the Raptors. I only say this because the Blue Jays travel well in the offseason to different parts of Canada, and they always have a pretty big show up. So I don't know that the Raptors have that support behind them. Maybe they do, and I would hope that they do. Again, I don't know enough about the region and the, the country as a whole to really see how their fans in outside of Toronto treat the, uh, the Raptors' In that aspect, but in terms of the Blue Jays, um, I do see that being a little bit more widespread. So I would uh, put the Blue Jays as the number two team in Toronto, and then the Raptors. So to have the Raptors be this quote-unquote underdog within the three teams, be the first team to bring a championship to the city, and have that parade in the city down Young Street, I think that would be incredible. I think that I would, first of all, I'm going to be there if that happens. You can bet your ass on that. I will travel up to Toronto to see that. And I would probably ball my eyes out just the same. I'm, I'm not afraid to admit that at all. So, Peter, the long-winded answer that I just gave you, I'll give you a TLDR version of it. It's the Larry O'Brien Trophy. Easy. Here's your music again. All right, let's, let's move on to another Twitter question. This comes from Kawhi Raps. Quite a few questions from Kawhi Rap, so I'll, I'll answer all of them. Um, do you buy Fred VanVleet eventually taking over and being the Lowry of this team in the next two, three years? Uh, well, Lowry's final year on this team is next year, and I do think that his tenure as a Raptor largely depends on what Kawhi does. If Kawhi stays then I think that there is no chance that Kyle Lowry gets traded next year, barring any weird injuries or unforeseen circumstances. Um, You're pretty much bringing back the same core, and you're probably going to build on that even more. So there's no way that I think that Lowry gets traded unless it's for a clear and obvious upgrade, i.e. the DeMar DeRozan scenario. Um so, assuming that there's not, no, I, I, I think Kyle Lowry stays and Fred Van Vliet's going to have to wait a little bit longer. However, if Kawhi leaves, then I think maybe then you see Kyle getting traded. And yeah, I can certainly see Fred Van Vliet being the, the starting point guard of this team. Um, I don't know that I'm alone in this. I don't know that you need a, an all-star starting point guard to be successful in this league. Um, it certainly helps. But you can definitely make a playoff push without one. Um, it's difficult, but when you have other players on this team, like Serge Ibaka, um, Mark Saul, assuming he's still going to be on the team, um, even Pascal Siakam, obviously still on this team, and if Danny Green stays, you have enough there to sort of uh, mitigate that loss or mitigate the the aspect of not having an all-star starting point guard. So, yeah, Fred VanVleet's still improving. Look, there were certain times throughout the year that he frustrated me to no end, but he's certainly stepping in the right direction since coming back from injury. So I do think there's a decent chance that he could be the next starting point guard for this team. That doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be as good as Kyle Lowry, so I don't know that I can classify him as being the Kyle Lowry for this team, but I certainly think that the team could do a lot worse than Fred VanVleet as a starting point guard. Um, for instance, let's say Kyle left and DeLon was still on this team. Uh, 
I'd be worried about <laughs> DeLon Wright being the next starting point guard, even though he got a triple-double last night. I'd be worried about him anchoring the ship over Fred Van Vliet. I think Fred Van Vliet's more of a natural starting point guard than DeLon Wright. So I do think that the the aspect of him being the next guy you know, in, on the on the totem pole makes a lot of sense. And I, I think I would like to see that, assuming that things change within the coming years. Um, the next question from Kawhi Raps. If the core comes back next year, including Kawhi, Danny, Gasol, what moves should Masai make to make this team better? So there you go. This sort of lends towards what we were just talking about. Um, it depends on cap space. I don't know enough about the cap space to really answer that in, you know, good faith here, but I will say that maybe you see another trade to make this team better. And if they win the championship, maybe they do nothing, right? Maybe they don't have to do anything because they're confident in this group moving forward. Um, I put it this way. If they win the championship, I don't see anything major getting done in the off season other than a Kawhi, uh, extension or a, a contract to Kawhi and Danny. Um, I think that they're going to analyze what's going on within the first half of the season and then come trade deadline, if the wheels sort of fall off here and there, then they do something. Um, I'm not really confident in the longevity of Marcus Gasol past this year, so maybe that's another trade chip. I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work out. Or maybe, you know, Serge Ibaka takes a step back and he's a tra- trade chip. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, um, but... If they can afford to add another max salary guy, it doesn't really look like they're going to be able to, especially if they sign Kawhi to that mega deal. Um, then if, if they can afford to, they probably will do everything they can to do that. But the likelihood of that is probably slim. So if anything, they'll explore the trade market midseason, uh, you know, February of 2020. And take it from there. But in the immediate term, I don't really see them doing anything substantial or significant that's really going to open our eyes. But if they do, I'll definitely reference this mailbag and, you know, tell you how wrong I was. Uh, Third question from Kawhi Raps. Will Pascal grow even more next year or has he peaked? He has certainly not peaked. We have not seen the ceiling of uh, Pascal Siakam, not by any stretch of the imagination. And that is what's so awesome about this player. That's what makes him so scary, too, because this isn't his ceiling. This isn't the best Pascal Siakam we've seen. We're still seeing him develop. We're still seeing him bud. Um, There are certain things that Pascal Siakam does that kind of irritate me, and I don't like to point at the negatives, but if we're going to nitpick, these are things that he can do to sort of improve on his game to become even better. Um, I mentioned this in a tweet. If you notice when he drives to the rim, he does extend his arm out just a little bit, and that is like almost an invitation to an offensive foul. Like He does guard his path with his offhand, and I think that he's playing with fire a little bit there. I don't know that you can do it that obviously. Obviously, a lot of players do it, but he's doing it to the extent that he's almost clearing the lane with his offhand. And that, like I said, is an invitation for an offensive foul. So that needs to be cleaned up just a little bit. Um, sometimes his his shooting when he drives in, when he gets caught, is a little erratic. I like to see him clean that up or sort of kick it out. Um uh, you know, unbelievably enough, a lot of the times when he does sort of throw it up, it does go in. So, which makes him 
even better in my eyes. But in terms in terms of refining his game and sort of tightening it up, that might benefit him a little bit more. But otherwise, I, I have no complaints. Look, this is a guy that can shoot the three. He can definitely grab boards. He's aggressive when he drives the lane. He does have sort of a mid-range shot. There's almost nothing that he can't do. You see him sometimes bring the ball up and handle it. That is incredible for your uh, number four on the floor to do. So he is just leaps and bounds so much better than I remember him being in previous years. And for him to not even touch his ceiling yet is scary. So next year, I do expect him to be an all-star. And, you know, to be an all-star, you need to hit that level. I think he's a superstar in the making right now. Right, and he's not so much a superstar by definition right now. He's definitely, definitely a star in the NBA, but he's going to be so much better next year. I, I think that's one of the things that I'm going to keep my eye out on when it comes to this team. He is going to be lights out. He is going to be so incredible. He's like an engine that just doesn't stop. Right, he's he's got all the energy in the world, and he's so quick and he's so reliable. So. I, I again, I I don't think that we've seen the the ceiling of Pascal Siakam, and I think he's just going to get better. Um, I don't think there's really much more other than what I pointed out that he needs to improve on. Um, his defense is definitely there. He he's got a great stance. He's got great hands. So I, look, I don't know how uh, what more you need to nitpick on. He's just outstanding, and I, I'm very very happy that he's part of this team's future for years to come. Um, last question from Kawhi Raps. If Kawhi leaves which 2019 free agent should the Raptors chase to full that max slot besides KD? Um, I don't think they're chasing KD. I, I just don't think that's going to happen. But uh, let's take a look at who is available as free agents so we can break this down easier. So the obvious names that stand out, obviously, as you mentioned, Kevin Durant. I don't think the Raptors have a shot at Kevin Durant. Um, I'm just going down the list here. Um there's a club option for Paul Mills. I, I just I don't see a place for him. Um, but in terms of player options, who do we got? We got Al Horford, who's almost certainly going to stay in Boston. If he's smart, he'll pick up that player option and stay in Boston. Um, Whiteside doesn't seem like a good fit. Uh, Harrison Barnes, I have no interest. DeAndre Jordan, I'm all set. Mark Gasol, I think he too will keep that player option and stay in Toronto. Um, Kyrie Irving, I don't see a place for him in Toronto. I think he's probably going to either go for the Knicks or the Nets. Um, you said other than Kawhi, so Jimmy Butler, no thank you. I don't want him on this team. Uh, Kent Bazemore is interesting, but I don't know if he picks up his option. Uh, Clay Thompson, I, I don't see him... Uh, going anywhere other than GSW. Um, Tobias Harris, I think he's definitely going to stay in Philadelphia, and if I'm Philly, I'm signing him quickly. Uh, other than that, we got Trevor Reza. I don't, uh, I mean, no. Tamari Carroll, we already been down that road. Todd Gibson, no. Chris Middleton's interesting. Um, I, I just, there's really no one else that really jumps off here. So, uh, I guess no one. <laughs> I mean, like, it would require a lot of other moving pieces um, if it's just Kawhi leaving. Um, 
Again, I, I, in a perfect world, Kyrie Irving's great, but you have Fred VanVleet and Kyle Lowry on this team. So that would require moving one of them. If you don't, that's a lot of redundancy in the point guard position on this team. Um, Jimmy Butler, as I mentioned, is a, is a cancer. I don't like him at all in terms of team chemistry. He doesn't fit with what this team is doing, um, and I just don't like the addition. I, I just don't think he would be co- cohesive with this team and what the goal is. Um Otherwise, Clay Thompson would be fun, but I just don't see the Raptors being a an ideal destination for him. So, um, I guess this is a short way of saying the the mandatory thing for the Raptors to do to build on the success is to retain and keep Kawhi and do as everything that they can. And I think they are. I think they're doing everything they can to do that. Um, which brings me to the next question via email from Nicholas. Um, will the Raptors keep Kawhi Leonard in uh, 2019? Look, I mentioned this on a previous show. I haven't been more confident that the Raptors have the ability to re-sign Kawhi. That does not translate. I should have been more clear. That does not translate into me thinking that they will do it. Um, It just means that since uh, trading for him, I have not been more confident in their ability to keep him than I am right now. I think they have a very, very good shot. And I think that People are downplaying, people being the talking heads in the media, are downplaying how much of a shot they have of keeping him. Um, It makes just too much sense right now. They're doing everything in their power to show that they are an ideal destination for Kawhi Leonard and his future, right? They're taking care of his health. They're taking care of him as a human being, not as just a player, Right There is an, an important distinction between the two. You can be treated well as a player, but you can be treated well as a player anywhere. They're treating him well as a human being by acknowledging what's important to him. Put it this way. When, when I say that they're treating him well as a player, that's like saying, look, we have these things available for you at your convenience. Right, So it's pretty much up to you to use these things when you feel like you need to. Right, They're available for you, and they're all top-of-the-line kind of things. That's great, and pretty much every team has those things now. It's 2019. But when you're treated well as a person, that means the organization is listening to you. They're listening to your concerns. They're acknowledging your concerns. They're acknowledging what you think is best for you and your longevity. And not only are they listening, they're abiding by that, right? They're utilizing their tools within the organization to make sure that you're comfortable with every decision that they're making regarding you. They're checking with you first. They're making sure that you are happy. They're making sure that everything that you need, you have. And if you don't have it, they'll get it for you. I think that is what Kawhi has realized is the difference between how perhaps San Antonio treated him and how Toronto is treating him right now. They're making a a conscious and valiant effort to make sure that he's happy, to make sure that he's comfortable as both a player and a person. And I think that is speaking volumes to him. I don't think it's just an easy decision that I'm going to L.A. I think the Raptors are making this very hard for him. And I think their playoff success is going to dictate that next step for him. If by chance they make it to the NBA Finals, win or lose, 
I think there's a very good chance, a more than 50% chance that he stays in Toronto. Um, but if they if they're a second round knockout, I think there's a more than 50% chance that he goes to LA. And I don't think he's playing with the Lakers. I think he's if if he's going to not play for the Raptors, I think it's going to be with the Clippers or don't sleep on the Kings. Don't sleep on the Kings, I'm telling you. They got an up and coming team, right? And if if they can get a Kawhi Leonard on that team, they might be better than you think, right? And they definitely have the cap space to do it. So don't sleep on the Kings. That's my sleeper team for Kawhi. It's the out of nowhere Randy Orton RKO kind of team that I think will be uh, will be surprising. But I'm not banking on it. But the the short answer is: Do I think he's going to stay in Toronto? I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm I'm not positive, but I'll tell you what: I'm pretty confident that the Raptors have a very very good shot at it. Um, and next question from David. Regard it's a regard to the Blue Jays. Do you think the Blue Jays will bring up Bo Bichette this year? Uh, I mentioned this on a previous podcast. No, I don't. I don't. If it has, if the Vladimir Guerrero Jr. situation is any indication as to how this team is going to uh, treat their young studs in the system, it's that they want to keep them as long as possible. And not for just as long as possible, for as cheap as possible. There is no chance that the Blue Jays contend this year. None. None whatsoever. They are not a playoff team this year. They are not a wild card team this year. They're just not. They're going to improve from last year, to be certain. But they are not a playoff team. So why burn a year from Bo Bichette or burn a month in September for the sake of him being on the squad when you can keep him down in the system, get a full year of AAA, and have them for an extra year. It makes more sense for the team to keep them for an extra year of service time than to bring them up in September to play meaningless games. When the Blue Jays signed Freddie Galvis, it was clear that Bo Bichette was not going to get a shot on this team. He just wasn't. Because Freddie Galvis is a veteran player. He's an above-average shortstop that can play for this team for the full year, reliably, too. Right, this is not a guy that's injury prone. He's played consecutive games for the past two years, like full seasons. So there's no way that the Blue Jays are going to be worried about injuries when it comes to Freddie Galvis. So I think that was writing on the wall that Bobichet is going to get a full year of AAA under his belt just to, you know, either refine his skills or to, you know, pretty much demolish that entire league. Um, I'm not sure, but the chances of him being on this Blue Jay squad in 2019 are pretty much zero. I would bank on that. Um, I think the, the Blue Jays have one more year before this new CBA is finessed that they can mess with this service time thing, this little loophole in service time, and to exploit it a little bit and bring him up maybe May, June of 2020. Um, if he's on the opening day roster in 2020, fine. Then they burn service time, whatever. But it would not surprise me at all if they wait until like around May of 2020 to bring up Boba Shit. Um, do I think that's right or ethically acceptable? No, not at all. I think uh, he deserves to be on this team today. If it was up to me, I would have Bobichet be the starting shortstop of the 2019 Toronto Blue Jays on opening day, period. But I just 
don't think it's going to happen. I think the Blue Jays are much more interested in making a consistent contender than they are of making one individual happy or to make fans buy tickets at this point. That's a harsh reality. It sounds stone cold, but this is what we're dealing with, right? They're more interested of making a consistent contender and a legitimate long-term winner than they are bringing up these kids piecemeal just for the sake of it, right? And look, when it comes to bringing him up in September, why bother? He's pretty much going to be facing the same competition that he's facing right now in AAA. So why bother bringing him up then? doesn't make any sense. It's pretty much redundant at that point. Keep him down for another year. Get that extra year of service time because... You know, in seven years from now, you're going to say, man, I really wish they didn't bring Bobachet up for that pointless 2019 season that the Blue Jays accomplished nothing in. Nothing. Right? So at that point, you want to keep them when the Blue Jays are good. And they're going to be. They're going to be good. That leads to the next question. This is from Mark. When do you see the Blue Jays being actual contenders again? 2021. I know next year is what people are keeping their eyes out for. I just don't see it coming together then. I think the payroll is low enough next year that they can really make a deep dive into free agency if they wanted to. But I think the team needs to show first that they're able to be good and to to be able to at least contend for a playoff spot. I think next year, that's what they'll do, right? You'll have Bo on the team. You'll probably have Kevin Biggio on the team. You'll definitely have Vladimir Guerrero on the team. Whether or not they have one of, if not both, Stroman and Sanchez, I don't know yet, but let's assume they have one of them on the team. That's enough to, as, again, as long as they build around those players, that's enough to really make a push for a playoff spot, maybe a second wild card spot. And that's very attractive to free agents come, coming into the 2021 season. And I think that's when the Blue Jays are going to start to uh, really make a push, really make that familiar push that you saw in 2015 to vitalize this, uh, this fan base, right? You're probably looking at one more down year for this team. A down year in the sense that it's not going to be a, a full-blown blown playoff push, but enough to make it interesting. So when do I see them being legitimate contenders? 2021. That's when I'm circling my calendar, my theoretical calendar on. 2021 is when I think that this, this team is going to make that push. All right, that's all I got. That's all I got for the mailbag number two. Um, again, if you guys want me to keep doing this, I will. Uh, feel free to send questions again on Twitter. You can DM me or you can uh, email them to me, south of the six at gmail.com. Send them on over. I'm, I'm more than willing to answer your questions on the show. No problem. I think it's a great way to interact. Um, if you haven't already, follow me on Twitter at south of the six. That's how the cool kids spell it, right? The number six and the letters IX. Follow me there. Um, also, if you have not already, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, it's very, very, very helpful that you guys leave a review and leave five stars. Seriously, it takes you two seconds out of your day. Stop what you're doing right now. Just leave me five stars and write cool podcast, bro. Whatever. Something pithy and stupid. I don't care. But it helps me out a boatload. Seriously, it does. And if you can, if you know any fellow Toronto Blue Jays and or Raptors fans that are looking for content, that are thirsty for content, especially for the playoffs with the Raptors coming up, Refer to them in this show. Really, sharing word of mouth is clutch. 
when it comes to the growth of the show. It's It's been going on for years. I appreciate everything you guys have done for the show. So let's keep it going. If you, if you know any fellow fans that are looking for content, refer them to this, and uh, I appreciate it. Otherwise, I'll catch you guys next time. The next podcast, episode 111, will be released Monday morning with Jay Rosales of That's a Rap Podcast and Raptors HQ. We're going to talk all things Raptors. I'm really looking forward to it. So until then, take it easy, guys. Thank you.